You're listening to Africa's Business Rockstars podcast with Nefa Ahoy, a show that shares the stories of successful Africans in business and how they did it. It's our story told our way to inspire our people. This podcast is sponsored by IDS Consultant Ghana Limited, a company dedicated to supporting small and medium-sized enterprises with accounting and business advisory services at an affordable rate. Visit www.idsconsultantga.com to learn more. And so my parents were like, you're going back? Like, what? And like, they were like, so, like, oh God's sake. And I, I just, I feel like, 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 this child. like, oh my gosh, like, you have escaped a near death. Like, you don't want to chill. Yeah. But I just realized, like, honestly, like, how can I not come back, coming back to a functioning business yep. after being over a year out of the country? Yep. Yep. Nah, yep. nah. Yep. There was obviously like a divine thing going on there. Hello and welcome again to yet another episode of Africa's Business Rockstars. Now, our guest today had the bold desire to create a brand where a woman of diverse backgrounds could have access to quality, affordable luxury products without having to break the bank. Now, I like the sound of that, and I know you do too, hence the reason why we have her here today as our guest on Africa's Business Rockstars. Her name is Stephanie Edu, and her mission is to assist and empower women to know that you are the new beauty standard. Hello, Stephanie, and welcome to Africa's Business Rockstars. Hello, hello, <laughs> and thank you for having me. How are you doing today? You look flawless. Thank you. I came to represent of the Stay Flawless gang. <laughs> so thank you so much for appreciating. But yeah, I'm very well today. Yes, awesome, awesome, awesome. Like I said, um, welcome to Africa's Business Rockstars. We've seen loads of content about color box done quite a number of interviews but today you're our guest of africa's business rock stars and now i know at the age of 16 you were mm. selling makeup in mm. department stores right yes yes but i would like to know prior to the age of 16 you know as a kid were you already playing with makeup maybe your mom's makeup and you sort of had the knack you know to get into this space what was growing up like growing up was fun yeah I, there was no limitations and now i've saying to my parents i think last year that i really commend them for giving me such a like beautiful childhood mm. there was nothing that I couldn't do mm. so I think before then I was doing martial arts okay I still love martial arts I got my black belt in karate okay they they were taking me around the country to do competitions etc <laughs> clarinet a mm. little bit of gymnastics a little bit of choir so they just let me try like everything and anything yeah. but there was my mum's still not into makeup like whenever I'm doing my makeup, she's still looking at my face and getting some tips, but she's still very kind of like stuck in her ways and yeah, just, yeah. you know, learns where she can. But yeah. it definitely wasn't rummaging through mummy's makeup. It okay. was just like an enlightenment when I got into department stores selling makeup. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, like yeah. this feels like home. I love it. I love the art. Like secondary school was more like science-y, et cetera. Mm -hmm. That was more like the artistic side of me coming mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I was a bit of an adventurous child, but a good child. Science in secondary school. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you were an A student. B to A. Like, I feel like I could have pushed myself a little bit more, but... You know, like A, B yeah, student. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mentioned how um, you were really grateful to your parents, you know, for giving you basically the freedom. Yeah. Uh, are you an only child? No. So okay. I have one younger brother. Okay. But I grew up in such like a 
close family unit where I got to see my cousins every weekend. Mm -hmm. And so I grew up with so many cousins, just having so much fun. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's just me and my bro. <laughs> what was what was fun? Like, what would you do like as cousins? What would you do on a typical you know, weekend? It was so bizarre because we had one cousin, the eldest, yeah. who would put us through Saturday school. God knows what he was doing <laughs> at his young age, but he gave us all books with our names and would make the older cousins teach us like, or the older cousins teach us mass science and English. And then as we grew up, we then took over with the younger cousins. And, I was just thinking, and then we used to do like dance routines together. Yeah. And we used to drag the adults in to come and see us do, do dance routines <laughs> and stuff like that. And it was just so fun. It's like the parents, my aunties, and could just like leave us in a room right. and we'll just like entertain ourselves. <laughs> and so it was, it was really like a joyous time. And we're still really close, like growing up now. It was just like a fun time. Right, right, right. Did this flow into school? So did you have loads of friends? You know, what was it like in terms of activities and things you do with them? Or were you more of an individual person by yourself? When I look back, I think I did have loads of friends mm -hmm. and I had friends in different groups. Okay. So, and I think that is actually how I am now in Ghana. Okay. I don't just have one clique of friends. Okay. And I would always not appreciate people being bullied. Mm, like I would mm, always kind of mm. like step in as well. Mm. But I had like many different types of friends and, yeah. um, and I don't know. Yeah. Like, a bit like a nomad, yeah. a nomad, <laughs> a nomad. But I mean, it was, it was fun yeah. in terms of what we did. I had like my core group and right. like my best friend we met in secondary school. Yeah. Like the beginning. And we're still best friends now. Oh, nice. And okay. so we've got some like core, like some core, core friends. And what we used to do, just the usual like shopping or we used to just go around each other's house and just spend time just making each other laugh. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That was really nice. Yeah. Enough as yeah. Well. Would you say, um, listening to you and the way you are talking about your childhood experiences, do you think it's an effect of the fact that you didn't grow up in Ghana and you actually had a childhood outside of Ghana? I do think that that is part of the reason because I feel like you are judged a little bit more growing up. And sometimes because of maybe certain circles of status, mm -hmm. class here is a big thing. Mm -hmm. So sometimes mm -hmm. a kid in a certain class can't really be friends with a kid of a certain class or the friendship is limited. Got it. So I was even explaining to one of my friend's child who's moving to the UK, like you can really be friends with people on merit, mm. like mm. not just because of who their dad is, who they're, no, mm. just literally mm. on mm. merit. So mm. I think that really did help yeah and i've had to learn being here that is the friendships are different yeah you know and it's taken <laughs> time for me to get solid female friends here yeah because it's like we have to watch each other for a couple of years to make sure that we are both sensible yep. before we will now engage yep. in having a friendship <laughs> so yeah it's definitely been a learning curve but i think growing up in the uk and just that mix and blend of people from different backgrounds and just judging people on like merit, do you actually like the person? Do you actually have the same interests, mm, you know? Mm, and mm. not really judging because of, or where I grew up at least, mm. not judging because of privilege, but judging because of like, you just like the person. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think, yeah. so I think that really did help. And I think it tries to, it helps me to form relationships here as yeah, well. Yeah. And with different, many different other, other people as well as I've grown. Nice, nice, nice. So in terms of um, educational background, you did mention that you did science in secondary school. Yeah. But then you sort of like majored, majored in it in college, right? Yes. Okay. So college. So after 16, you know, we've got the two years of where you have to choose like your A-levels. Mm -hmm. That's when I really honed down into the sciences. Mm -hmm. However, I still had my creative side where I did like 
uh, music as well because okay. I love music. Okay. And I've always been a part of a choir, singing. Okay. Like I always say, if I had seven lives, one of the <laughs> lives would be I'll just go for it with the music and see where it took me. Yeah. And so I had that kind of outlet. But then, yeah, going on to university... I took a gap year actually between from college to university because okay. I wasn't sure about really what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I know my parents were very enthusiastic about me studying dentistry. Okay. I knew from then that medicine was not my calling. Mm -hmm. I think it literally has to be a type of calling for you to be a doctor. And I think I'm a very almost emotional person. Mm. So I wouldn't be able to to probably deal with the emotional side of being a doctor and just have like deal with like facts, facts, facts. So exactly. I knew that with dentistry, you can, and again, with dentistry, you can kind of have an own your own business as well. Mm -hmm. Like I kind of already knew that I wanted to maybe do something for myself or by myself, mm -hmm. but at the same time it was stable, et cetera, et cetera. So I was thinking, okay, let me study biomedical sciences in university, okay. which is really like a foundation, which, you know, then you can go on to do dentistry or medicine or whatever else, if you really like it. Because yeah. <laughs> after three years, you will really know if you really like this and if this is going to be for you. Did you like it? Nope. <laughs> and I know from like this, the first, after the first week of university, I was like, uh-uh, no, I'm going to need to figure out what the next step is because all of the careers were like lab-based or something I was like this is not my personality the pay wasn't great either I was like no this yeah. is not it yeah so I was on a mission to then find out okay and I was open I love that though because I was open okay so you know if because I feel like if you're so close-minded you may miss other opportunities right absolutely yeah absolutely. so I was just like okay let me be a little bit more adventurous and then that's when investment banking <laughs> came along all right. You're listening to Africa's Business Rockstars, and we are just experiencing the tip of the iceberg of what is an interesting conversation with our favorite CEO, Stephanie Adrew of Colorbox Cosmetics. We'll be right back after this break. And welcome back to Africa's Business Rockstars. Now, before we went on break, Stephanie was telling us about how she took science. Her parents wanted her to get into dentistry and she realized, no, that wasn't her calling. So she decided to, you know, just take a break. And I know your parents are, you know, like, like my parents, Ghanaian to the core. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you wake up one day and say, mom, dad, I'm going to go on a break because this science thing isn't working for me. What was their reaction? They were very nervous, mm. very nervous. Mm -hmm. I'm a daddy's girl, so mm. I think he was more open to, you know, my suggestions or my my justification as to why. Okay. But my mum was, and she, I think she's a naturally more nervous person, but she was like, ooh, you know. But <laughs> I think that gap year was one of the best things. Okay. Because I was working, I grew up a lot okay. in that year. Okay. And I was working so, and almost in a full-time capacity and I was exploring different things and opportunities. Okay. So... It was more like, wow, this is real. This is adulthood. Mm. So, you know, whilst you're young, you better enjoy or at least, you know, not take things so seriously. Yep. Because once you hit adulthood, this is it. Yep. You know, yep. I enjoyed that time because I had the freedom of knowing that I was just at the beginning of my journey. Okay. And I did work for a couple of different brands. Uh, yeah, a couple of different brands during that time. 
with people that were older than me and this was their path, mm, you know? So mm, I knew that mm. this was not it for mm, me mm, mm, and I would enjoy the time that I had there, but it kind of almost gave me a motivation to be like, okay, so what are you going to do? Right. Because this right. is to, this needs to work. But I'd like to understand how you even landed those jobs in the first place. You know, do you put Ooh. in applications or yeah, you just showed easy. up and... But it was easier back then, you know, okay. because my actual first job was working in a delivery and takeaway pizza hut. Okay. Actually, <laughs> which was like 10 minutes up the road. I knew then that I loved dealing with customers. Okay. I don't know if it was like a friend that like gave me a tip that... I should hand in my CV to a department store mm. in Oxford Street. Mm. And so I went there. And then when you're, because you, I don't think, unless your parents are really taking you to Oxford Street, you've got no business there as a kid. <laughs> so <laughs> that was my time where I was like, oh. This is life. This <laughs> is where people are enjoying themselves. I see. <laughs> I was like, okay. So that's when I was like. You know, when you're dealing with people that have money and you're, you're, and I understood that you have to give people an experience mm -hmm. and I understood that you can build a relationship, mm -hmm. you know, with somebody and build that trust, even with a few short minutes. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it started off by me working with a clothing brand, mm -hmm. even just the things of like structure, logistics, yep. how things work yep. behind the scenes, yep. um, how the manager deals with different things, you know. I mean, I was young, so I guess I was at some point, you know, that you could see there was some indiscipline. Mm. How does she deal with me in that, in that sense? Mm. But, and then I, from there, someone in that job gave me a tip off to be like, you can work for a, an agency. And then first of all, they pay you more. Okay. And then second of all, it's in beauty and makeup and it's really fun. <laughs> and she was like a struggling actress or something like that. And I was just thinking, you know what? It would be sad if, if I ended up like that so yeah. but it, I, but at the same time I know that she was focused on her money so this must be a really good gig yeah. so let me go and let me go and check it out and then from there it was like you know worked at so many different department stores for so many different brands fell totally in love with it yeah. and by the end of it I was like yeah I think I'm ready to be a consumer now rather than the seller got it got you it know. got it got it got it so this all happened within your gap year no it started off in college mm then intensified during the gap year because mm -hmm. I was literally just trying to earn money and just see how things work. Yep. Then I think you said my parents were super relieved that I decided, you know, university was the way forward. Okay. I think I'm just too ambitious. I'm just too ambitious. <laughs> and I think they saw that in me a little bit. So they, I think I was a stubborn, a little bit of a stubborn, stubborn child as well. You know, I, ne I needed that time. Yeah. But um, they were really relieved. And then whilst university, I was working throughout university and that's when I got to explore so many different brands. Right. And I loved it. I just loved it. Is this is university that you studied your biomedical? Yes. Okay, sciences. Yes. Okay, so why that why why that choice? I mean, you did say because mm -hmm. you can. Um, it's like a foundation, right? So you kind can of degree in different stuff. Yeah. But it still has nothing to do with makeup, though. Nothing, but I think uh, there were some parts where you could study like the relationship of uh, medicine with the body and body the body with medicine, mm. and you know like. I'm grateful because now maybe when we're talking about formulation or something like that, it's not scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not scary to mm -hmm. me. We can figure it out and I can be like, okay, and I can do the research and know that I can figure this out if, or know some basic knowledge if needed, if needed. Right. So yeah, but to be honest, in university, the first two years, I was trying to choose every other non-science course, <laughs> like every, it's only in the third year that I had to like hone down and I was like, fine, pharmacology, like, because there was nowhere I was going to study like neuroscience or anything. I'm not going to, I'm not coming to die, you know, but, but it was just like, okay, pharmacology, I kind of like 
it's, it's actually quite interesting. It wasn't interesting enough for me to like remotely explore it as a career. Yeah. But I was doing business courses. Like I was doing all kinds of stuff in like in the second year just so I could be like, and just silly to the point where you're, you have like eight exams instead of four. The strategy was not there, but it was just because <laughs> I just wasn't interested in science. Yeah. So how did you manage to balance all of that? Like, and especially you sound very, you know, outgoing. Yeah. You like to have fun. Mm. You know, so how do you balance these two? I think really what saved me mm. was me paying attention to an email. Okay. Where it was basically an organization called SEO mm. who said, okay, you know, if you're smart and from a multicultural background mm. and you want to earn money this summer mm. and figure out what this whole banking thing is, come for a talk. And I, I can't, I don't even know why I was even paying attention to that email, but I did. And I was thinking, you know what, let's go and, you know, and it was totally off campus as well. But I was okay. like, you know, let's go. I think I dragged one of my other friends as well. Let's go and see this talk. Now, at the end of that talk, the fear of God was in you. So <laughs> they were like, you, you had to, when you left that talk, you had to make a decision. Are you going to go for this or are you not? Right. You can't go for this half-heartedly. This is all or nothing. Right. And so I really thought about it and I was like, okay, I'm going to go for it. And so I really was like, okay, what are my differences that I can use to my advantage? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so a girl, mm -hmm. black, mm -hmm. studying science, it's the furthest thing away from banking, mm -hmm. you know, have these different other things like, yeah, I love martial arts mm -hmm. and I love beauty and stuff. And so I got the opportunity to work at Goldman Sachs for an okay. internship in the summer. Okay. And it was just, it was unfortunate that it was the year that the world was trying to crumble. 2000 and... Eight, yeah. <laughs> 2008. Yes, 2008, yep. And the credit crunch. And so it was just unfortunate because I wasn't, I wasn't well prepared. For the end of the world. For <laughs> Goldman Sachs okay. even. Like top tier, you can't go above. Right. You needed to come with some serious fire. Right. And it taught, that summer like taught me so much. Mm. But if you weren't, it would kind of would have suited me if it was my second or third internship. Because mm. then you know the game. Mm. You know the level of intensity that's required of you. Mm -hmm. you, mm -hmm. know, you know how the world event affects everything in finance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you can be like better placed to really go for it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But in that year, I said there was just too much going on. I made like great relationships and, and whatever. And it was just an awesome experience. But I was like, okay. At that time, then you needed to get a minimum of a 2-1 to work in the bank. Okay. So that's when I was like, right, pull my socks up. We're going to like, <laughs> you know, because I could have probably cruised a two one, but I was like, nah, we need to like figure yep. it out yep. now. Yep. And then I basically faked application to do a master's. I, there was no way I was doing a master's, yeah. but I wanted another, because Goldman Sachs, they, they weren't able to take me on, okay. but I knew this is what I want. SEO provided another opportunity mm -hmm. to work mm -hmm. at Morgan Stanley. Mm -hmm. I knew the team that I wanted. Mm -hmm. I knew the game now. I was like, we are good. Mm -hmm. Like, I know exactly what I'm doing now. So I know, but then I needed to get a decent 2-1. Mm -hmm. So then that's the only thing that really saved me. That's when I, I think my parents were like, oh, dang. Like, okay, she's serious now. Like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah. this. Yes. And I was just so fascinated by like, what are all these white men with briefcases doing in the city, like, what is this about, yep. you know? Yep. And yep. it was kind of like the same thing in martial arts. I saw, again, a bunch of like boys doing martial arts. I was like, but why are there no girls yep. here? Yep. yep. So it was kind of like that, that was like, hmm, this is a good look. Like, I like, I like this and I think the experience would be great. Right, right. So that's really what saved me for university. And was it really everything that you thought it would be? Like, 
you know, yes. great experience. You made your mark. It was. <laughs> okay. It was. I sense the band. <laughs> yeah, because it does take a huge Total. chunk out of you. Yeah. Yep. And I don't think I was ready for that or disciplined enough for that. Mm. And now if I really look back, I think that I was an awful employee. I think I was an annoying, like, <laughs> like employee. And I look back and I eventually, I would probably apologize to some people in, in there because I was just so annoyed. Like I was a junior and I was thinking, but why do I have to do this? And why do I have to do that? And this doesn't really make sense. And this is not my skill point or right. my skill set. So, right. you know, and so for certain things, it was such a struggle for me to do certain tasks instead of me just doing, just, just get just on with do it. it. Yeah. yeah. Just, just get on with it. But just the, they drum the discipline into you. And it's something where like I've taken with me to the point where I'm trying to impart Onto right. my staff. Onto exactly. Yeah. And low key feel sorry for them, but I know they've come out better for it. Yeah. You know, so it's not even, a, and I, it's like, I can't even really help it because I know that level of discipline, that level of intentionality really helps in terms of your luck of being successful. Right. So I really try to like impart that on them. All right. <laughs> You're listening to Africa's Business Rockstars. Like I said, tip of the iceberg, but loving it so far. Um, our guest is Stephanie Adu, the CEO of Colorbox Cosmetics. And we'll be right back after this break. Welcome back um, from the break. Before we went on break, we were talking to Stephanie Edu, the CEO of Colorbox Cosmetics. And she was telling us about her internship at um, Goldman Sachs. And right after that, you landed the job, I suppose? No. Oh. And it actually dragged on for quite a few months. And that was because the world was in disarray. Mm. The credit crunch was happening. And as I said, I partly... What was on me was that I don't think I was best prepared to take full opportunity mm -hmm. of what was the internship and what it had to offer me. But I then understood after that, that this is really something that I wanted to do. But by that time, I would have now been going into my third year of university and you can't do an internship like this when you're in your final year. Okay. So okay. I decided to apply for a master's. Okay. Now I had no ambition no desire at all <laughs> to actually do the masters, yeah. but it, I wanted it to present an opportunity for me to do another internship. Got and it. there was an opportunity for me to intern at Morgan Stanley. Okay. And by this time I knew exactly the desk I wanted. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And so it was very easy for me to like go in and I killed that internship because right. I knew exactly what was expected of me. Um, I knew how to impress them. I knew my strengths in that capacity. So I was really like on the money and I was off offered the job there. But what happened to your master's then? The, my parents, the Lord and the queen knew that I wasn't going to do that master's. <laughs> so the master's was declined and I started earlier. Actually, I started Morgan Stanley full-time earlier than all of my other graduates because okay. again I said to them hey I'm free now so um I started January 2010 right but this all this was happening whilst you were in King's College in the UK right yes yes so um King's College University uh, that was a great experience mm -hmm. and um again these sorts of opportunities really do only come 
in certain universities because mm -hmm. they have a certain level of education and mm -hmm. they mm -hmm. expect a certain caliber of students. Right. So I'm really, you know, happy that I was intentional enough to apply and go to King's College. Okay. So I was going to come to that. So you put in an application. It wasn't like a scholarship. You applied, you paid the full tuition. That, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Parent salary, your pocket. Um, actually, I applied for a student loan. Okay. I applied for a student loan. Um, I don't come from a wealthy background at all. Um, just from a very, very loving home. Fantastic. So they really, you know, we just did the need for. And I think around my time was unfortunately, you know, my cousin who's a couple of years older than me, he had free education, etc. Around my time, it was now like £3,000 a year yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, we did the student loan and then I got some, you know, some money from the student loan for my own living, etc. Right, right. Even though I stayed at home, right. which... I don't know if I regret or not, actually. Yeah. I don't know. I think by the time I got to university, I felt like I was like 10 years older than all of these other kids around me that were just interested in going to parties and getting drunk and blah, blah. I was yeah. like, oh, like in my gap year, I feel like I just, it was just, so, I was so over it. Right. But right. Um, yeah, Kings really provided a structure and a certain level of standard of education that mm -hmm. really did like open doors such as SEO and Morgan Stanley. Right. Okay. So you didn't land the Goldman Sachs job. No. But you landed a job at Morgan Stanley. Absolutely. And what was that like? I mean, you knew the desk, you knew yes. how to work things out and everything. Yes. I mean, so on the personal front, mm -hmm. I knew where my strengths were. I was definitely good at customer service. Okay. I was good at, you know just making sure that the client was happy. Right. And, but there were some other areas where I just lacked discipline. Mm. And, mm. and that really showed through. Mm. But it was something that my team, as much as I really hated it, they really tried to like discipline me into certain things. Even today, I'm not a morning person. I just am not. Yeah. Now, I actually met my now husband at Morgan Stanley. Okay. He is a morning person. He gets the fire everyone I'm like don't talk to me like I'm not ready like you know like I, I'm not a morning person I'm such a night owl yeah so that training at Morgan Stanley just like forcing yourself to be like have the discipline to really get things going right and uh and to deliver a high standard right, right. but yeah I mean I said I was a really good intern because I'd had the experience from Goldman I was disciplined. I knew what I wanted. Yeah. But then when it came to the being an employee, there were definitely some things that were like exposed that I really needed to learn. Right. So then what's next after that? So um, I was at Morgan Stanley for about three and a half years. Okay. And getting towards the end, my desk, which was sales trading. So this desk was like equivalent to how... If you were looking at, you know, Wolf on Wall Street, mm -hmm. the people mm -hmm. that were loud shouting, buy this, sell mm -hmm. that, that was kind <laughs> of my role. So I sat in between the traders in-house at Morgan Stanley, right. which were very focused on protecting their profit. Right. And then between, and the other side was my clients right. who were, I had to be committed to them to get them the best price. Right. So it really was a negotiation tactic and... Actually, when I think about it, like you really learn the art of negotiation and relationship and when knowing when mm -hmm. to use relationship and knowing when not to mm -hmm. and when to mm -hmm. draw, draw, the, draw line. the line. Yeah. And that was like, yeah, really, really good. But yeah, that role, you had to be in it for a long period of time and build those relationships to be really good at it. Okay. So three and a half wasn't long enough? S hell no. We're okay. talking about men that have been there for 15 <laughs> years, 20 years, yeah. you know? Yeah. So you don't really stand a chance unless... There's some new like hedge funds or new clients mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. were coming up that you glued yourself to and they were growing and they growed with you. Right. But it wasn't right. that time of, it just wasn't that time. 
people were still suffering from the credit crunch. And this role was shifting more towards electronic, where you could actually trade yourself, mm. you know, so there were systems that I could actually put in and watch and trade myself for a client instead of going to the trader. Okay. So it was just changing. And when I realized that it was changing, and when I'd realized that, I don't know if I'm the best at this, and it's showing through. Yep. This is not my yep. natural yep. state, yep. and it's showing. Yep. And I was starting to make silly mistakes and stuff like that, and losing the self-confidence. I was like, it's time. Yeah, it's time to really explore other avenues. Yeah. And then I was starting to meet like other prominent black women in, in the industry. And a conversation came about where they were like, you know, whenever I travel, and I think she was, she covered Africa. Mm. She was like, oh, you know, when I travel, whenever I travel, I can't really find like, if I forget my powder, MAC powder, I, I can't find anywhere for it. And I feel like there is such an opportunity for beauty in, mm -hmm. in the space. And I was like, hmm, mm -hmm. I really like beauty. And, you know, this really kind of does look like an opportunity. I wonder if there is something there. Right. So that kind of planted a seed. Yeah. And, um, I think around that time, I probably had more conversations around people that were starting to bubble around something exciting is happening back on the continent, Got it. especially in our country, which is safe, free, fair. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We really got no issues in comparison to mm -hmm, our, our mm -hmm. neighbors or mm -hmm. others. Mm -hmm. It was like, you know what? I, 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 I managed to like convince myself that let me put my hand up for redundancy. Mm -hmm. If redundancies are happening, mm -hmm. let me at least get some money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I can well, come back to Ghana mm -hmm. and I'd only really been here for summers. Mm -hmm. Let me, so my naive self was yes. like, yeah, I know yes, that. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> you do not know Ghana if you haven't grown up here. So, you know, I came, but the naivety served me very well because yeah. I was ambitious and naive. So that, that the combination, combination served me very well. To just come here, just bushy, bushy eyed and just be like, yeah, there's something to do here and I'm coming to change and blah, blah, blah. So I came and really kind of did my research okay. though. Again, if you are coming from a profession such as banking, which you have to dot every I, cross every T and make sure that you have got your ducks in a row. Mm. I was not coming to waste my time. Mm -hmm. I had to be is this going to work? Right. Is there a good chance this is going to work? Right, right. So then I came back here and started my journey. Right. So in terms of the research and all that you did, um, self or you employed other people to help you do it? What, no, what were you looking at? What yeah. were you looking at? I at least wasn't naive enough to know that there was nothing here. There mm. was definitely something here. Mm. The women have a structure here. Mm. The women buy makeup here. Mm -hmm. It's not that there's anything here. So what? how is the structure like? Mm. So then I went around in a taxi, mm. like paid them for the day mm. and went around to so many different makeup shops okay. and just was asking questions. Okay. Such as? So, you know, what are the top sellers? What are the brands that you have here? Which one moves? Which colors move? And again, people were not really infused to yep. Yep. answer exactly. me. Exactly. Exactly. But because I know I'm quite good at relationships. Yeah. And I can kind of make you like me when you know I'm not a threat, yeah. you know? <laughs> so then I managed to kind of, and I, and I actually put tables together and just try to understand, okay, where do people say are the makeup hubs? Mm -hmm. What is on offer? What pricing points? Mm -hmm. How does it work? Because I also knew that other people were like, oh, you know, my cousin's going to the UK. Yep. You can buy me exactly. X, Y, and Z, put it in your suitcase, bring it back to me, please. Exactly. You know? So there was that. And again, because it's cheap, it was technically cheaper for that because, you know, obviously if a makeup store is bringing in the product, they're going to put their own profit on top Absolutely. and then sell it to you. 
So I was just really trying to understand where are the gaps and where do I fit in? Is mm. this really something that can actually work? Because mm, mm, if mm. not, I can easily just go back to some other yep. kind of corporate job. I yep. think I was even looking at consulting or something like that. Mm. Just something that would suit my personality a little bit more. Right, right. But I realized, I thought there really is like a big gap of just like affordable luxury. Right. So just something that, again, yeah, you're not, I'm not competing with China. Mm-hmm. I will never compete with China. Mm-hmm. But the quality that you're getting for the price and that can be like a, a Ghanaian brand. Got it. Was like, there's a gap. Yeah. So that's when I was like, okay, you know, let me, let me put myself together and see what I can do. <laughs> I like how you're selling it to me. Is that how you sold it? <laughs> you sell it the same way to your folks. What I'm interested in, your parents, your parents, your parents. So, you know, came to Ghana, did your research. You said, I have this, I have this. It's going to work. Yeah. Then you fly back to London. Yeah. And tell your mom and your dad. Mm-hmm. I have a plan. Mm-hmm. It's going to work. Mm-hmm. I'm coming to Ghana. I think they probably thought, oh, here she goes. Here she goes <laughs> again. again. <laughs> and I know now after talking to them that they had a discussion and my dad spoke to my mom and was like, she's not going to last. Let her go. <laughs> she's not gonna... She'll be gone for a year. Let her go. You know, she be, you know, and then so literally it's only until like three or four years in, they were like, oh, she's serious. serious. Yes. Right, got it. All right, let's try and understand what's happening here because they were like, oh. But yeah, they were like, clearly she's very, very enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This sort of vim you're seeing around this child, mm-hmm. you're not really going to stop her. No. So, no. you know, and on top of that, like I was just so excited and everybody could see it, yeah. including my now husband, then boyfriend, yeah. who was like, who are you? Like, wh- why have you now gotten this sudden like zeal for life? And he was like, you've not grown up in that country. And I, think, I was like, yeah, I know, but I just feel like... It's a connection. Yeah, yeah. there's something that yeah. I can do here. Yeah. You know, and so, be my own boss. <laughs> so 2013, you yeah. packed up and came in. I think it was 2014. Okay. 2013, I started to get myself together. 2014 right. is when, yeah, definitely. You relocated. I relocated and started to, okay. to trade, yeah. All right. So you know, but you, I mean, you touched down in Ghana. You didn't just immediately start to trade, right? Because you came with nothing. No. Or- yeah, I came with, I came with nothing, but I decided and spoke to myself that I'm going to give this three years. Mm. I'm going to give it everything. Mm. After three years, if this really isn't going on, let me just find myself back to, to London mm. because I like nice things. Mm. I don't like to suffer. You know, like I've given it my best shot. I got to say I've tried. Right. You know. Right. So for three years, I, it was like, I don't care what was going to happen in those three years. I'm going to stick it out mm-hmm. and I'm going to give mm-hmm. it my best. Mm-hmm. So that's really what kind of held me here. Yeah. And I'm very glad that I did because around that time, it was wild. Yep. Did you have a business plan? I did. Okay. I don't understand really the need. I think it's a good exercise to do as an entrepreneur. Right. But I think in terms of an execution plan, it's much more valid. Okay. Okay. Like, okay. What is your plan to execute this? Right. Yeah. Because you can punch numbers into a spreadsheet all day long. They don't mean anything. Mm-hmm. You're just dreaming. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you don't know anything. Mm-hmm. Another reason why I was very infused to start is because I'd connected with an old university friend. Okay whose parents were very rich okay. from an Asian background. And they had a very keen interest in cosmetics in the West African hemisphere. Okay. So I was like, oh my God, could not be more perfect. This is madness. Like, oh my gosh. So we actually even did a lot of research, like research, virtual research, like top level. Mm-hmm. And then we actually even went to look at other different brands that we could bring into okay. Ghana. Okay. But okay. because they had a structure 
and I was going to be the one on the ground, it kind of worked. Mm. So we actually went to Poland even mm. to look at different brands there. It was a good experience, but I understand again that I was so naive in that point. Like mm. I didn't really mm. understand business. I mm. didn't understand how partnerships work. I didn't really understand really what was expected, mm. you know? Mm. And so that deal even eventually fell through. Okay. Now, that is very common. It happens most other than not. Mm -hmm. But I didn't like how it fell through. He just stopped communicating. Mm -hmm. And I felt that it was really bad of how he handled it because I had made sacrifices by even like just missing some of my friends' weddings or missing time with yep. family, yep. Yep. being here. So that's fine. I think it's, he's probably one of my motivational things because I know at some point, they're going to come back and try and have a bidding war or whatever with Colorbox. Like, I know. They're probably watching. And you'll be ready. They're probably watching, yeah. <laughs> and I hope by that time I'm not as petty or as guilty to even entertain. But I just feel like it was just, it, was a, it wasn't a good way. It was a good experience, yeah. but it was yeah. a bad way to end, especially since we like went to university together and we had like, you know, we had a good relationship. Right, you know? right. But by that time, I was damn near convinced there was something here like this there is an there's an opportunity there is really something going mm -hmm. going on here mm -hmm. so um i then started with three products all right stephanie so in 2014 you moved to ghana because you had uh, partnered with your with your university friend yes and, and his uh, family yeah. and his family yeah and the and the business plan was to import different cosmetic brands so into, it's actually into Ghana. gonna be one so okay. we're gonna focus on one okay. we're gonna probably set up a couple of stores okay uh in key malls around and that was gonna be you know the journey so okay. we're just looking at different brands and how and who would be able to do that okay now in terms of this business partner they were very focused on securing west africa got it and as a whole, you know, right? Yes, as a whole. Yeah. I don't think that was really made clear from the start before I entered into this this thing with them. Mm. But it transpired that kind of I would take care of like the Ghana side. Got it. But the brand that we were really interested in that I'd even put forward to them because I know that that brand would have made sense. Yeah. 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 So um, they that brand had already given out the rights to Nigeria. Mm. So mm. unfortunately, that was not going to... It appeared like that was going to be a major turnoff for the business investor. Right. But I was still very, very, very keen going around to different malls, trying to get pricing, trying to get costing, trying to just figure out how this thing would work. Mm -hmm. um, and then unfortunately, they just went dead. Right. But I was left with this idea that yep. this is really going to work. Yep. You yep. know, so... I put my money where my mouth was and I chose three products mm -hmm. that I thought were trending. It's something new. I was not going to bring something that was common on the market. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it was brow stencils because ladies were obsessed with learning how to do their brows. Yep. <laughs> um, beauty blenders. Yeah. And uh, a one makeup brush that I could afford that was going to help with the brow. So with that, that's what I, that's what we started with. And then we went around to like ANC Mall and... Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we're going to delve right into that, yes, but it was will. like <laughs> just going around everywhere. And it was a very humbling experience, but I would not change it for the world right. because I got to really understand who my client right, is. Right. So even though your your potential business deal did fall through, you yeah. sort of had um, a blueprint, right? With which to follow because you yeah. had all the research and yeah, you knew exactly. who to talk to. So exactly. it was, in the end, you kind of you did win. But yeah. what I'm trying to find out here was 
did you get into like a you know a partnership with them like sign something on paper a contract to say we're business partners and if you should annul it this is what's going to happen no so we didn't we we were we were working on that and what i was told that that was that was being worked on okay but we had already made trips like foreign trips right. with, with each other right and um, we had had family meetings um together so everybody from my side and their side right. came together and understood this is who these people are right. this is who we right. are right and we had done a lot of the research well i had started the research and then continued it with them on board right. so we were really getting to a point where we were now looking at the agreement and we'd even decided the percentage share mm. we'd even gotten mm. through and that was very clear mm. 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 um but I'm just, um, it's just unfortunate about how they decided yeah. to yeah. to end it. Yeah. And I'll make sure they kick themselves. But it's just one of those things where I learned a lot about business at yep. that point. Yep. It's a learning. Uh, yep. Definitely. Uh, what to do, what not to do. And yeah, I was re- just very, I think now, like now looking back, if I was in their shoes, I probably wouldn't have gone through with it either. Yep. However, I wouldn't have handled it the way they've handled it. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. So that's the learning. Absolutely. All right. So let's fast forward to the three products you started with. Yeah. Where did you get these? You brought them from the UK or you got them made or you got them made here? Where did you source? How many did you come with? You know. So it was Southeast Asia. So a mixture of China, Malaysia. And I believe I started just with um, looking on Alibaba mm. and... Just trying to get as lesser qualities as I can, just so I can test the market. Okay. So it must have been maybe like a thousand pieces each. Okay. Maximum. Okay. Okay. And then I tried to work on the branding mm. and what opportunities I got to go on TV or to mm. go here. Like just who who and what could I get from yeah. my three little products? Yeah. <laughs> and um, then fortunately we. We've just been really growing from there. So wait, from the get-go, did you know the name would be Color Box? And how did you even come up with that? Ah, yeah. good question. So I think when I first came, actually, the company name I had was Sabella Beauty. Okay. Sabella Beauty, yeah. That one was my auntie and my cousin and me in their living room just brainstorming ideas. Okay. <laughs> and then what, I didn't know if, even then, like, I, th- I didn't know if I wanted, like, different branches, different arms so from then I did a subsidiary mm. color box. Okay. You know, so that, and for color box, I think that was just really, really brainstorming. I know where I, where I eventually want to take the brand and it is going to be full, like full of color. color right. Um, okay. And again, when I was looking at beauty and where they place Africa in the beauty spectrum, I don't feel like they should put us in the box. Mm. So that's mm. where the box idea, so color box. And mm. I decided that I wasn't going to spell it the UK way. Mm. It's going to spell it the US way because it looks nicer. <laughs> so, and maybe, and I, and I don't know if like I'm on a, on a global, I don't know if that's even right, but on a global scale, yeah. like the way yeah. the US is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, 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 it's actually been a bit of a headache because when you hear my accent, you're assuming yep. the way I spell <laughs> it. Right. But, um, but I, I stand by it and it still looks I think it still looks better. And then, yeah. you know, did the whole thing of working with graphic designers, trying to get different ideas of how this is going to look and how this is going to work. And and then, yeah, just really like worked on the branding from there. But how did you get them? You didn't grow up here, right? You mm. just relocated. Mm-hmm. How do you even find a graphic designer? How do you find maybe like if it's the social media people, you know, mm. how do you find people who help you to source where you'd be displaying your products in? Because... You yeah. just, you just, you just came into a country Literally that, just, yeah. So tell us about I think, that. I think people were quite receptive to me. Okay. 
and I don't know if that's like some like foreign privilege <laughs> type thing, okay. but they were quite receptive in terms of like if I ask questions, and then also there's a community Ahaspora, okay, um, that is full of like a yep. I don't even know how many yep. people they have online yep. now. But that was, and still remains, hugely useful. Okay. You can ask, oh, I need a graphic designer, X, Y, and Z. Or, you know, you, I can start from the house mm-hmm. or the home or mm-hmm. family, friends. Mm-hmm. Do you know mm-hmm. someone who knows someone who knows mm-hmm. someone? Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's kind of really how I found my way. Okay. So that's what you did. Did you ask on a Hasbara or did you ask a family member? I think like I, I did everything. Okay. Because I don't, okay. I, I'm, I'm a and person, not an or person. <laughs> so I like options. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I like options. Nice. And mm. then what was it like when you, so you said you had to go around to sort of like malls yeah. you know, or shops to stock your product. Yeah. So what was the first shop or mall that said, okay, we like this and we'll stock it? Do you it remember? wasn't actually, st- uh, we did pop-up shops. That's okay. how we actually started pop-up shops. Okay. And ANC Mall. Mm-hmm. And the owner is still a friend today. Mm. And I think he just saw me and was just like, this girl's trying. So let me just give her a shot, yeah, you know? Yeah. And he's been like a kind of business confidant. If maybe something things aren't making sense and maybe I'm approaching it with my Western mindset yeah. and he needs to like yeah. roll it in. Yeah. So yeah, he's been really nice. So ANC Moore was mm-hmm. like something that was really good. And just because I was his friend, he didn't give me any discounts. He didn't give me any like preferential mm-hmm. treatment. And that's business. It was a business. That's yep. business. So yep. I appreciated that as well. Yep. And then we went around to all the different universities. That was, and that was just like such a crazy experience because now I'm managing people. Yeah. And um, I'm trying to make an, like, a, like a footprint mm-hmm. and trying to figure out pricing and trying to figure out like how to stand out mm-hmm. and everything. Mm-hmm. And learning, as she said, that humbling experience because of, I came from this investment banking world. Mm-hmm. And I never, I never thought twice that it needs to be me, you okay, know? Okay. And I know, I now know that that's quite uncommon because I think most people would be like, I'm the madame. Yep. It has to be. I'm about to like hire some people. And did I was like, no, I need to, I need to know what they think. I need to know how they think mm. so that I can really serve mm. because that was the way in which I understood that's how I'm going to get a successful as quickly as possible. Okay. Because I'm not about the madame. Like, I can do madame in London. Where am I coming? You know, and, and, and without stress. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> yeah. it's like, I'm here to do like work. Yeah. So you engage university people to find out how they'll take, yeah. you know, a, coming of a new brand, yeah. local brand. Yeah. You know, what would you like to see? Yeah. What was the pricing point that they were comfortable at? What did they like about it? Wow. How much of it was me? How much of it was the product? Wow. What other products did they want to see? Mm. Now, at that time, again, I did bring in other different brands that I could find in the market to complement certain things mm. like lipsticks mm. or brow pencils mm. or something that would complement what I was selling. Mm. But I never made it the focus because okay. again, it was, I, I never wanted to be a makeup shop that sells yep. different brands. Yep. And to the point where I could easily now do, now do that. Still know what I want to do. I'm building an organic brand. Got it. Got and, it. And you know, with a with a goal. Got it. I'm sure people are listening and wondering. So, how much money did she have to do all of this? Mm. Yes. As I say to everybody, mm-hmm. don't expect anybody to fund your dreams. It has to be you. Nice. Put your money where, where your, your mouth, mouth is. is. Uh-huh. If you don't have the money. Find it, mm-hmm. save it, mm-hmm. etc. And primarily, it should actually be majority your money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If and mm-hmm. this is a, a key in, in in business, you know, like 
there's no way I'm going to put in more money than you mm-hmm. and it's your idea. Mm-hmm. No mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So I literally, and it was all my money. Okay. It was from, so it was from, someone's from redundancy. Yep. Someone's from, you know, I think, yeah, no, I think my parents did put in, but a, a, a little bit after they saw how much I was committed to it. Right. But it's right. your parents. Yeah, this, at this point, you know, yeah. like yeah. <laughs> it's your parents. Yeah. And yeah, so how much money was it? It was maybe like a couple of, a couple of thousand pounds okay to start okay but like that was when the pound was like one to three mm. so one pound to three cities mm. like and then unfortunately during my three years that I was committed like I'm not going anywhere I'm gonna see this out mm. just to see how mm. the currency tripled mm. Mm. and that time mm. it tripled and then it came back down to like I think like six or seven and then and then that's when you see like Big companies going bust because mm. they don't know how to price. They mm. don't know mm. what to do. Mm. And you're like, wow. And on top of that, it was that time where it was 24 hours light off, 12 hours light on. Yes. All your electronics are yes. mash up. Yes. You can't find peace anywhere unless yes. you're going to a hotel just to like <laughs> catch a drink. Like just nobody talk to me. I just want to feel the breeze and just have some peace. You know, like it was really humbling. Yeah. You know, yeah. but I had said... I'm not going anywhere yep. with this time. Yep. And I stuck by it. Right. So in the first three years, did you employ anybody or was all you? No, no, I employed. Okay. I employed. Um, and that's when I understood that being over familiar mm-hmm. doesn't serve you mm-hmm. as a boss. Mm-hmm. And I understood at that time that I needed to be firm mm. to get what I wanted and to achieve what I wanted to achieve. Right. So... I mean, there were like story, just, I can't even count the number of stories that I have with like staffing and the learning curves with it. There was one employee where I think I was coming with my Western mindset. She was not great at customer service at all. And in fact, it was negatively impacting the business. Mm. Okay. Mm. So I said to her, because I'm not happy. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is how much I'm going to pay you. Right. She was like, no way, blah, blah, blah. Then starts to threaten me and all this other stuff. Mm. And I was like, is this really how things go on? Like, <laughs> I would expect someone to come to you and be like, okay, let's so, have a conversation. Right. Or, you know, whatever. Yeah. No, that did not happen. So I understood, okay, how I approach things and how I deal with things here has to be very different. Yep, absolutely. Very, very different. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, that was a learning curve. But then, in, so in terms of employing them, what did you do? Advertise, social media, word of mouth, you know? Word of mouth to begin with. Okay. But I think over time, yeah, it was word of mouth. And even one of my girls that is still with me mm. joined me within that period of time. Mm. And... Yeah, I still, I can't believe that I'm like, she's still with me, nice. you know? Yeah. So, and I've tried everything. I've tried HR, LinkedIn, word of mouth, social media, random, you know, feelings <laughs> yeah. to employ people. And the most consistent thing is the personality of the person needs to be right. Mm. Then I can mm. work with you. Mm. Mm. So how yeah. did you get her, the one who's still with you? She sent her CV via somebody else's. Okay. CV, so someone, somebody else's email. Right. And I think at that time, I really, I just really needed people. Right. So I gave her a shot to come for an interview. Okay. And she was very respectful and she was a hard worker. Okay. 
And uh, I said, you know what? I know that sometimes there was maybe like a lot of other things and ups and downs that she was going through. Mm -hmm. But at the core, she was respectful and she was a hard worker. So I could deal with her. Right. You know, right. And I feel like it turns out that I think that she just needed some motherly or good role, female good role model, you know, and that's really served her well. Nice. Yeah. So how many employees did you start with and how many do you have now? Yo, it was it was a yo-yo thing. <laughs> um, I think the minimum I had was two. Okay. Yeah, the minimum I had was two, maybe to work on a more permanent basis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then I employed so employed so many part time staff for the pop up shops. Okay. So you know, university. It made sense for me to hire university students when I'm doing the university rounds right. type type thing. So right. maybe at that point I had like four or five girls. Right. But. I kind of like that setup where it's as and when. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's that's really kind of how it worked. All right. So when you move, moving on from the products that you came in with, you came in with three. Yeah. And then you began to expand. Yeah. You know, definitely formulations come in, right? Is that where you're... No, no? actually, okay. um, because we never got to the point... It's only now that I'm discussing real formulation and okay. seeing where that takes. Okay. The strategy was to come in with the least barriers to entry. Okay. And so for that, it was makeup tools. Mm-hmm. So this is where we started with like the brushes, brushes et cetera. Yep. And we, yep. so we kind of zoned in on that. Okay. With the aim of like being able to partner with brands or, you know, not having to deal with the FDA mm, or mm, other, mm. all those sorts of things. Mm. So that was really the strategy and it really works. Mm. Like we've partnered with Maybelline, we've partnered with so many different things because yes, our work ethic and our structure is good, but there's no competition really on I'm providing something, you're providing something and we, and we work. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's really it. So it's now where like in the pipeline of products where we're talking about formulation. Okay. I've doubled okay. and doubled with it over the years, but if I'm going to do it, I need to do it right. 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 So now we're getting to a point where, okay, it's making sense. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. So you started with the brushes. So you yeah. source all of these from outside Ghana. Yes. Every single one of them. Every single thing. So what I was very conscious of, was trying to do as much as I can in Ghana. Okay. So whether it be some kinds of packaging, okay. um, some kind of assembly, uh, assemb- assembling something or something like that. But in terms of Ghana having the capacity to output the quality that is required, right. we were not there yet. Right. We're still not there yet. Right, right. As soon as we are, it's going to save me a lot of money Absolutely. and headache and shipping and customs and everything else. So I'm very invested in in it getting there, but we're not there yet. Right. Okay. Okay. Understood. Understood. All right. You're listening to Africa's Business Rockstars. We're having a conversation with Stephanie Adu of Colorbox Cosmetics. We'll go on a short break and we'll be right back. We're still talking to Stephanie Edu, the CEO of Colorbox Cosmetics. And before we went on break, Stephanie had told us how she um, she started with three products and ordered about a thousand minimum order of about a thousand pieces mm-hmm. each, right? And um, I just want to know how long did it take you to sell these? You sold out, right? We sold out. Okay. About what period? Um, I think it must have been about six months. Mm, okay. Maybe just over six months. Okay. But that's because we, we again, didn't have the right strategies or structures to sell. Right. A lot of the selling was done via pop-up shops. Okay. And then we started to build our online community. Okay. And then it was through deliveries. Okay. So, yeah, that's why I think it took, like, more time. 
but yeah, yeah, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the learning that it yeah, gave me. Yeah. And how many products do you have now? We have 40. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow, 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 wow. Yeah, individual <laughs> products. So all the individual brushes, accessories, um, sets. Yeah. yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. And are these also following the same trend or they're moving faster? So actually, we did like a massive rebrand in 2020, September mm. of 2020. Mm. And um, that was when, when the whole world went into lockdown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I decided at that time that, you know what, Steph? You're right now, like the brand is getting, you know, some traction. Yeah, some traction. So yeah. either you go hard or you go home. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. now we're getting to the point where, you know, you really need to make a decision of if you're going to go all in. Mm. So me and my husband put some money together. Okay. And we did like, again, a full rebrand, like zoned in on the things that people really loved. Okay. So we got like many different sorts of brushes created different brush sets for different levels yep. so if you're a beginner, a beginner you know mm-hmm. pro- mm-hmm. professional etc and try to find some accessories that were complementary mm-hmm. towards mm-hmm. ethos of trying to make beauty easier mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. and that was a huge success mm. but very stressful mm. because mm. i don't know what possessed me but we did this whole rebrand and launch whilst i was in the uk Ah. So the only thing that saved me was my CCTV and a couple of really good friends that came by to visit this the brand, yeah. you know, to make sure everything was was going. Right, right. But that was huge. But I think I, I, during that time, I'd taken the time, I was listening to so many podcasts, listening to or reading so many different like launch programs mm, and mm. I managed to really internalize it. Mm really put together a plan about what I want to do. Mm, and mm. much to my surprise, it like just blue. Right. Right. Yeah. I think it seems like you seem to have an intentional way of doing things like that. You know, you are very strategic because like you mentioned, yeah. in terms of your brushes, mm. you have a particular color code for, yes. um, for, for so the, yes. Yeah. So we have like black handles <laughs> for yes, the face. Exactly. So I, what I want to, it's like, I'm definitely trying to be intuitive, but okay. knowing that we as women in this part of the world are quite far behind the beauty curve. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how am I helping to get us right back, mm-hmm. you know, up there? Mm-hmm. So then pink handles for the eyes yeah. and purple handles for the pro. And then we're going to continue that ethos as we continue to grow right. our pipeline. Right. Stay tuned. <laughs> so, um, but it's just been something that has been really, again, intentional about like, what is the story? What am I trying to do? Exactly. And how am I relaying that? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And is this, is this a result of all the research that you've done? Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like you, you said, you, you can tell we're far behind in terms of the, the curve. Yeah. So you decided to do brushes for a particular, for beginners, a particular color for yes. eyelashes and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to understand whether the groundwork that you've done is all feeding into this or you're just up and saying, okay, let's do this and see if it works. I think it's all feeding into this main key pot, but I really don't like wasting time or money. Mm. Like I really hate it. And mm. my team knows that. Mm. So um, like I said, there's no dashing money. <laughs> right. So everything that I do that has to be for a purpose, for a goal, that makes sense. And what is the evidence of why people want it? Okay. So with kind of that framework, plus, you know, even more, that really provides the foundation for like what I do. Okay. 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 Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about marketing because we see loads of, you know, social media, um, advertising yeah. and all. And you're the one who runs the page yourself, right? Yes. So okay. I have like um, members of the team that support me in different facilities. Okay. And I'm actively trying to grow the team because it's getting more and more intense. Okay. But it really is 
moi. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering how you how you sort of like marry the two, you know? And then also, I'm trying to understand, will Colorbox exist without you? Because I see a lot of you. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. I've, I've really struggled with that, you know? Okay. It's definitely something that I, at the beginning of the year, have tried to understand. And even the whole of last year, even. Like, do I want this brand to be more about me mm. or not even want, am I accepting the fact that this brand is more about me mm. or, or do I want to push it in another direction mm. Mm. where it's more inclusive of other people, etc. Mm -hmm. Now my, I think I would have naturally tried to push towards it being more inclusive and me maybe doing some star, you know, star features here and there. Okay. However, Dealing with relationships and people sometimes in this part of the world is tricky. Okay. And I have a certain level of standard that I want. Okay. So now I don't really engage someone to do something for me unless I trust that they are have bought into the brand. Got it. And therefore they're going to like do well for me. Got or they're going to be a it. friend. Or someone that I can talk to and be like, you know what? I didn't really like that. I didn't really like that, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. yeah. So that is, that. I think that organic like relationship it's really kind of helped me. But at the same time, I'm very conscious that this thing that started as a joke of calling me your favorite CEO <laughs> yeah. has has gotten some wings. Yeah, yeah. So I look at the different models. Yeah. <laughs> there is the Huda Beauty model. So, and I'm like, okay, even though it's going to probably be more stressful on me, but it is working. Do I want to lean all the way into that? Yep. Or do I want to pivot and kind of do like a mashup. Like I, I will really try and be more inclusive. That's definitely on my list this year. Mm -hmm. I want to include more makeup artists. Okay. Not only will it increase my reach of women. Yep. Um, but it will help diversify the page as well. Yep. And at the same time, I'm conscious of the fact that if it doesn't include some sort of format of me. I'm, I don't know how, I don't know how people are going to receive it. Mm, 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 so mm. it's definitely something that I'm toying with. I mean, as I said, most days, unless I'm going out, I'm not wearing makeup, mm -hmm. you know, unless I need to show out the Stay Flawless crew or I go out <laughs> somewhere. I'm, but I'm very comfortable in my own skin. Yeah. And that's yeah. also something that I want other women to also be very conscious of. And I try to put that in thy language where it's like yep. makeup is a choice. Yep. Yep. So if you are going to do it, do it to where you're comfortable. Yep. It's And it's it's more about like enhancing. Yep. What That's, you like. You keep exactly. saying that. Yeah, enhancing not hiding your flaws. what you like. Yep. You don't, it's yep. like you really don't need to, it shouldn't be a cover for insecurities. Yep. Um, and I think I learned that even going back to when I was working for the different brands and different department stores, I could just see, because heavy makeup wasn't in then. Mm, mm. I could just see that just enhancing a few things could change a woman's stat, like how they how they feel about themselves, how yeah. they represent themselves. Yeah. So I think I've kind of taken that with me as well. Okay. So you, I think you're clocking almost um, eight years, if, I'm, if my calculation says me right, 2014, yes. right? And you didn't pack up after three years. Yes. So I guess it was the smooth ride, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like, I feel like as an entrepreneur, if you're really doing this and you don't, physically like question yourself twice a year mm. if this is what you want to do i don't think you're doing it right how many times did you question within the three years no 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 as in a good number of times a year <laughs> okay you know like yeah. if this is but what always kind of kept me going is that there is increasing traction women are really enjoying this mm. and like it's doing what it's supposed to do 
you know, so that is like, take my selfishness out of it. Yeah. This is bigger than me. Yeah. yeah. So I really need to kind of push yeah. and keep going. But in terms of the, the three years after the third year, so in 2017, like a life changing event happened mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where I had to almost stop. And that was the biggest point where I was really deciding, mm. am I going to continue doing this? Okay. Because unfortunately I got into a really nasty car accident oh dear. in mm. Ghana, mm. January, 2017. Mm. I can't believe it's been five years now. Like mm. I can't believe it, but it really exposed a lot of the weaknesses of our country mm. in terms of healthcare, in terms of other different things where when you're young and healthy, you don't really think about yep. these things. Yeah. yeah. Really bad. Like broken bone in my back. Wow. Like a small intestine burst. Wow. Cracked ribs, punctured lung. Like you name it. Internally, it was happening. It was happening. Wow. So, you know, and everything just kind of like changed. So I was here for like three weeks. So they had to do the emergency yeah. surgery, et cetera. Then I was here for three weeks. And I understood even then... Like I needed to be very aware of what was happening yep. because I know my beloved people. And so I, and I know our strengths and our weaknesses. So at that time I then like something happened where <laughs> something happened where you can cut this out if you, if you want to, <laughs> where um, in the hospital, my final decision was like that I needed to leave Yeah, was, I think I was in a private ward in a hospital Yeah, <laughs> and um, I was in the room with other, I think maybe like two or three other women. When the doctors are doing the rounds, family members are not allowed to be there. Yeah. Right. Which again, for me, was quite strange because mm. if the person's unconscious and you need someone to make a decision or yeah. to, to go, I didn't, didn't really sit well with me. But alas, I knew I needed to be very, very aware yeah. of what was happening. So they were going around to the different, um, different women. Yeah. And the senior doctor, which you can say that that job was honestly a labor of love for them. Yeah. And all the other junior doctors were around. And there was a lady there and the senior doctor was like, okay, so which junior doctor is looking after this lady? So a junior doctor puts up his hands and he said, okay, so give me the rundown. He says, okay, this is Madame Efwa. She came in two weeks ago. I diagnosed her with X, Y, and Z. Blah, blah, blah. And the senior doctor was like, okay, so what? Tell me about the diagnosis. What's X, Y, and Z? Mm. Nothing. Silence. The, doctor, the senior doctor was like, no, you just said you diagnosed her with it. What is it? Yeah. Silence. Oh dear. So I said, when my my husband came in, I said, we need to go. <laughs> it's time to go. Yeah. We've exhausted all of our options here. You know, and about that time, I think we had, we were trying to chase a neurosurgeon mm. for like nine days mm. or whatever. It was a lot. And then because of that, unfortunately, there were other complications and infections that I got yeah. as yeah. well. So it was just a very crazy time. So we managed to like, find the neurosurgeon, sign me to get me out, put me in a whole body cast, practice, put me on a wheelchair so that I could get onto the plane, got me onto the wow. plane. When I touched down in London, wow. they were like, how the heck did you get onto this plane? Wow. So like they, the pilot was like, what the hell? They had an ambulance waiting for me on the tarmac. Like it was a whole situation. Wow. And then we had to like, drove me straight to like the, the, the hospital in London, which was a specialist in like, you know, the, back and everything yeah. like that and they were like we've not seen one of these body tasks since like the 80s 
Like, what the hell? And luckily it was a lovely Nigerian doctor. So I think she understood yeah. the dynamics yeah. and she and she she saw me and her and she saw that I was terrified. Yeah. So she managed to like calm yeah. me down and everything. And and then from then I think I was in hospital for like the, you know, just another three to four weeks. And then they made a uh, like a hospital bed for my house. Mm. And so from then on, I was recovering in the house. And going into going in for outpatient yeah, stuff. Yeah. Had carers coming to help me wash, help me do this, help me do that. But it was a process. I had to like, after the back operations, they put like metal in my back, like I learned how to walk again, crutches, wow. and then and then like the Zimmer frame and then the crutches. And then because my small intestine had gone to work, I had to learn how to eat again in small doses. Wow. And then and I lost like, I'm already a skinny girl. Yeah. I lost like half of my weight. <laughs> So it was like, they were like, whoa. So it was like, a, just like nurturing back. But even when, like, I, I think because I don't even remember like the impact of the accident and I don't remember how I got to the hospital. I just remember waking up and remembering telling the doctors who were struggling to take off my, my um, shellac nail polish. Mm. They're like, we can't get this off. I was like, and through my breaths, so I was yeah. like, yeah, just put rubbing alcohol on it and it will come up. Like my yeah. brain wasn't functioning yeah. Yeah. that some yeah. shizzle had really yeah. gone down, you know, because <laughs> I was still active. Like yeah. even when I came out of surgery and they put me in the ward, I was still working. They were like, who are you? Like put the phone. Down. I was like, no, I need to keep working. You know, I was doing stuff like sending stuff here, sending stuff there. And they were just like, oh my God, because my brain just didn't process. Yeah. And I was just like, this is not my life, fool. I don't know who decided to send me here, but this is not my life. I, have, I'm, I haven't got married. I haven't had any kids yet. I haven't traveled the world yet. I haven't done what I need to do with Colorbox. So I don't know who decided that this was my path, but I'm so it's sorry. You're going to be disappointed. No. Yeah. So, and I think even in London, the doctors, because I'd recovered so quickly, they were like, Wow. And then mm. I really, I realized like mind over matter yep. is a thing. Yep. Like it's Absolutely. a real thing. Absolutely. There were definitely some scars. Mm. Like don't bring a needle near me unless you need to. <laughs> like I'm not trying to, hospitals, no thank you. Mm. Unless I really need to. Mm. Like, but other than that, like it was just like a crazy experience. So being in London for like almost, uh, almost a year and a half, mm. almost. Mm. And like going through that whole process. That was the perfect opportunity for me to be like, all right, well, I guess we tried. Yeah. Time to pack it up, yep. you know. Yep. You know, but what was so fascinating to me and the reason why I even came back is that the business was still functioning. Mm. Mm. I was mm. still making sales. Mm. My relationships with all my mm -hmm. um, stockists were still there mm -hmm. and people were still engaging. And I was like, this is not me or my doing. This is obviously a divine mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. that I need to be getting myself back here. And truth, truth be told, if this accident didn't happen, I would still be in Ghana making it work. Mm -hmm. You know, so mm -hmm. it, it like the, I had to separate the two. And so my parents were like, you're going back? Like, <laughs> 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 what? <laughs> and like, they were like, so like, oh, oh, for God's sake. And I, I just, I feel like, they were like, like, this like, oh my gosh, like, you have escaped a near death. Like you don't want to chill. Yeah. But I just realized like, honestly, like how can I not come back, coming back to a functioning business yeah. after being over a year out of the country? Yep. 
Yep. Nah, yep. nah, nah. Yep. There was obviously like a divine thing going on there. So I found myself back here and I came with a, like a, um, tried to do a bang. So I held like, probably like the first brands, like Organian brand industry events. Mm-hmm. So like rented out somewhere, got invited everybody who's anybody in the industry, mm-hmm. came over and then. I was disappointed with the event mm. because of my high standards, yeah, right? Yeah. But the ripple effect of my street cred that mm. went, my street cred went all the way up yeah. and they looked at Colorbox and me in a totally different, different light. Yeah. yeah. So, and then from there, I could see that it was rippling on and I was thinking, okay, so I understand what I'm, yeah, I'm doing yeah, here. Yeah. And it's definitely working because we saw your launch in Nigeria. Congratulations. Thank you. I mean, once thank you have you. Nigeria in the bag, you know. But you see, <laughs> that is definitely not an in the bag situation okay. over there. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> that requires, and I was hesitant even to do Nigeria because I know what it took for me to get Ghana. Mm, mm, and mm. I'm even a, a Ghanaian. Mm, exactly. So, exactly. and I know how Nigerians are so patriotic mm-hmm, absolutely. and they don't really play like that, you know, like you're not about to just come in and just, you know, change the game, etc. And so uh, certain things had to align mm. before I was even comfortable to even mm. do the whole mm. Nigeria thing. Mm-hmm. And even now I still don't feel like I'm paying it enough attention. Mm. I still feel like there's so much work that needs to be done. And it's definitely like on my list of this year, I'm probably right. going to go there maybe like three or four times this year. Okay. But it's just like one of those markets where you're learning it again. You're like, you're losing money because you didn't do this thing or that thing or that step. And again, I hate wasting money and I hate (laughs) losing money. So it's like, it's, it's, it's a, it's a learn another massive learning curve. But in terms of how I've entered the market and my Nigerian friends that tell me like, Steph, how you did it, like no other brand has been able to really do it like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. Let me just fall back on the ambition just a little bit and just like appreciate what has been able to come of it. Exactly. And just like, again, the way it aligns, like making some core relationships and like at this big age, it's hard to make friendships, you know, at this big age, because you know what I mean? So, but at this point I, I met two women that were like, so on my wavelength and they get, we get each other. Mm. And we're both as intentional as each other. Mm. Like, she, I understood that I can help her because she was doing some stuff here in Ghana. Okay. And she understood that she could help me. Yeah. And so from then, we kind of pushed on. And I and I don't have a team there in Nigeria. Okay. Because I already hate dealing with management of staff. <laughs> so I was not about to do that. So we, deal, we dealt with, or we deal with a fulfillment center over there. Okay. So that is very easy. We know where to funnel all of our orders to. We can train this. There's a structure and organization. If someone messes up, there's a hierarchy of how this thing is going to be corrected. Oh, got it. Okay. So, you know, that, that with intentionality, I'm not about to be flying to Nigeria to be telling people off everyone's. <laughs> that's not happening. So I said, no, there needs to be certain structures in place that are going to allow me to to do this and to be free and even to operate from Ghana. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So yeah, it's a learning curve. My ambition is fighting me in terms of how far I want to have gone. Yeah. But I'm very happy that we have like a footprint and even the way that they've received me. Yeah. Because yeah. they, I think they appreciate my hard work. Yeah. yeah. They appreciate the fact that they're like, this girl, she's not playing. She's working, you know, <laughs> she's, she's, you know. And every time they see me, like, it doesn't matter if I'm on the road or if I'm in an event. All I hear is, stay flawless. (laughs) 
and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I know that what I'm doing is working, yeah, you know. Absolutely. So yeah, it's it's been interesting. So is it paying for itself? All this ambition and drive and investments? Not yet, so not for me. No. I think, and this is one of the things, the challenges that I have. I feel like sometimes my team feel like we have arrived, mm. and I'm like, we are not even remotely started yet or mm. we have not even remotely started yet mm. where what we need to do or to get to the level where i would be happy is as i said l'oreal if you're listening in the next five years or 10 years, we're going to be sitting down and having some conversations. You know, this is this is where, like, I'm, I'm talking. I'm talking about somebody needs to seriously come down and talk to me about some big money and buy and buy me out. And I will still have a hand in it. That's okay. Colorbox is my child. It's my baby. Yeah. Like, I, I can never let go of it. Yeah. But in terms of, like, how I measure success or if this is really doing what it's supposed to do, that will be when... I know, or that'll be like a landmark. Right. But for now, it's like, we're still doing reinvestmental. We're still doing ideas. We're still doing this. Yes, we have some like street cred in the industry, but like, that doesn't mean anything. How's that translating into money? Exactly. How's that translating into, exactly. you know? So this is the mission now that we are on. Like, we need to translate that into, because we have a really good position in the market right now. Mm. How are we doing that? And, you know, again, as a one man I'm the, really the only one on the strategy and everything else like that. And mm -hmm. is a, mm -hmm. entrepreneurship is very lonely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. like one of those things where I'm just trying to take time out to really get clear mm -hmm. on what I need to do mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and how I'm going to take advantage of all the opportunities that are here so that we don't miss this window. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, God, loving it. Uh, you're listening to the CEO of Colorbox Cosmetics. Yes, Stephanie Adu. We're going for a short break and we'll be right back. Stick and stay. You're listening to Africa's Business Rockstars, and we've been having a very insightful and engaging conversation with Stephanie Edu, the CEO of Colorbox Cosmetics. Um, her baby has grown, but she mm. says she's nowhere close. You know, it's still a toddler. <laughs> it's a toddler that's trying to walk. You know, she's nowhere close. So, in that case, what are the plans, the future plans you have for this toddler of yours? So I really want to increase our selling outlets, our distribution outlets. Okay. I want to reach as as many women as possible. Okay. And I want to, based on the research that I found, provide different options of products that I think are going to reach a wider audience of, pe of people. Right. So one of the things are that people are really... Um, saying and this is this actually feedback came from Nigeria quite a lot mm. is that our products are quite expensive mm. okay okay now that's all relative yes right but at the same time if i'm looking at the average like for me in Ghana now i don't have to talk much because it, you can ask maybe someone in the beauty industry they would have maybe heard of colorbox purchased colorbox seen colorbox and so that they don't need to really, I don't really need to talk much. Right, right. But for a Nigerian brands, where there are options of other Nigerian brands, mm. um, they are struggling to find the justification mm. For, mm. for, you know, my, albeit affordable pricing for right. the quality. Yeah. So I have to figure out, you know, and I think this trend is going to work as well. I don't think 
there's going to be a buoyant amount of money in our in our economies for maybe a few years, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So how am I going to capitalize off that and how am I going to reach those women? Mm -hmm. It's not that I can talk, 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 talk plenty until I convince them and wear them down to buy. Yeah, yeah. There needs to be another way to reach these women. So that is another case. And then we are really looking at other products which require formulation that require, you know, for example, one of the products will be like, you know, how to take off your makeup well. Mm. We're teaching mm. you how to put it on. Mm. Now, you know, we all want clear skin. Mm -hmm. How do we take it mm -hmm. off? Mm -hmm. You know, and other different areas, you know, like that, like hygiene, we've now launched a, like a brush foaming cleanser and, okay. and sanitizer. Okay. Yeah. Things like that to really like encourage and complement what we have now. And then in a few years... Um, and we get asked this question a lot. Yeah. How come she don't do makeup? How come she don't do makeup? Because it requires a lot of money. Mm. And mm. I'm not going to... If I'm going to do it, I want to do it Fenty style. Mm. Mm. I'm going to mm. come in and I'm going to show out mm. and we're going to really capture the market. Other than that, that's a hard slog. Yeah. And I can kind of really focus my attention somewhere else. So if we're going to do it, we're going to do it in a way that really makes sense. Absolutely. And for that, that's probably going to require some outside funding. Mm. It's going to require a lot of work and strategy and a lot of yep. research. And yep. so I think people trust me enough now that if I'm bringing something to the market, I would have done enough research and, and I put my name behind it so that it's a good product. Um, so yeah, we just... That is so in the pipeline, it's not even funny, mm, but mm. it just requires a few more steps. So that's so why I, I say to everybody that asks me that, make sure you get all of your friends, 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 aunties, <laughs> grandmas to buy Colorbox so that we can really start to push this brand yeah. so we can have opportunities to get you what you want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, now on Africa's Business Rockstars, we have what we like to call the Rockstars quotes. Mm -hmm. So it's that thing that, you know, spurs you on or your mantra. Yeah. Yeah. Favorite saying anything at all. Mm -hmm. So what's your Rockstars quote? So I had to think about this and I settled on, don't wish for it, work for it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love That's it. what I settled on. Yeah. Because it's true. Yeah. Nobody owes you anything in this life. Get that out of your head. Even when I'm talking to my customer service girls, the fact that someone has come to pay, give us their money mm -hmm. to buy mm -hmm. our products, mm -hmm. be grateful, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So that, yeah, but don't wish for it, work for it. Love it, love it, love it. Don't wish for it, work for it. I hope you have enjoyed this conversation as much as I have with Stephanie Edu, the favorite CEO, you know, of Colorbox Cosmetics. Um, as she always says, stay flawless. We'll stay catch flawless. you on the next episode of Africa's Business Rockstars. Goodbye.